Good morning and welcome to the Morning Burrito Podcast. I'm Michael. I'm Eric. And we are live for the first time. Can you believe it? In tw- this 28th episode. 20, so. It took us 28 times to try this. Yeah. Which is funny because a lot of our shows have been one take. One take. Which, I mean, that would be live, so. True. So we should have confidence in this. Yeah, somebody somebody actually asked me why we haven't been doing live shows. They, they asked, are you guys just not confident? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> They called us out, did they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> so uh, so this was Memorial Day weekend. Yes. Do you have anything you want to say about Memorial Day before oh. we get really into the show today? Well, first of all, thank you to families who served and uh, gave that sacrifice, right? Um, sure. You know, I was impressed with our, our town, with all the political chaos that our world is in right now, our, our United States are in. Uh, it was really cool to drive down through Main Street and see that our town put out flags. I was very impressed with that, I didn't expect that. Um, so maybe, maybe shame on me for, you know, thinking maybe our town gave up on that. But, uh, but it was a great reminder driving through town and uh, seeing that. And then I guess also just uh, want to say thanks to you know the spouses uh, and the kids that have given you know dads and granddads and uh, moms and grandmas to uh, you know to our military. So yeah. so thank you for that. Um, but then uh, also yesterday. Uh, did you do anything fun? Nope. Nothing. Well, I guess it depends on how you define fun. For me, it was fun. I sat in my PJs, which is a short <laughs> pair of shorts and T-shirt. We don't want to know that. And uh, played video games pretty much okay. all day. Although I did I did get two honey-do list things done. So that oh. was Oh, that what was, was that? I hung uh, two sets of curtains for my wife on oh. windows. Got my drill Lovely. out. Did a little man work. Uh, actually, this week I've gotten, this last week I've gotten several Honeydew things done. I got sink cleared out of gunk and grossness, pulled it apart, and good. Got our our bathroom sink. You know, it's funny. Uh, as somebody who's bald, it, it's always funny when you find long blonde <laughs> hairs in the sink um, in my bedroom because in our you know our, my wife and I's bathroom, and I'm always like, "What are you doing putting your hair down the?" Yeah, it's drain? definitely not from you. Like, put that in the garbage can. <laughs> like, why is it going down the drain? But uh, but yeah, so I've have done that and spent time with my girls, which was cool. the best part. Cool. Well, we spent some fa- well, we spent family time yesterday. Didn't do a whole lot either. Um, but I did do a honey do list yesterday. I swapped out an old ceiling fan for a new one. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. The direct- one of those big wide fan blade type no, fans. No, actually, that's what we got rid of. Oh. I mean, one night we were sitting there and the fan was on. It's like five blades, and then one of the blades and it, like the holder is steel. But it broke, and the blade went flying across the room. When they say somebody could seriously get hurt, we could have died. Um, so now that's getting hot, we went to a three-blade fan. Thought, well, let's see what let's see what that's like. Well, the direction said forty to sixty minutes. So I thought, okay, I give myself I give myself ninety minutes because that's just how I work, right? Oh, dude, it was awesome. Twenty minutes? No, six hours and eight minutes later, I got oh it done. Oh my goodness, <laughs> dude. And I'm man enough to admit it, but it is done. It worked, and I slept like a baby. So I had a good, I had a good frustrating day. That is what I miss about my previous homes. I don't have any fans in my house, so it gets like right above my chair by that front window. You lived in that house, yep. you know. It uh, gets a little warm sitting right there, especially with the window. Yep. And now it's hot outside. I uh, I would really like to have a fan, but we don't have one because we have a vaulted ceiling, so it makes it kind of difficult to have fans. Allergies have been killing, too. 
Oh, it's been, been awful. Horrible. I woke up this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's like the sneezes start coming and they won't stop. So sorry. Yeah. I mean, it is a live show, so we can't just cut that out. That's but, true. Yeah. So, uh, so we've had uh, an interesting uh, run on this show, uh, I would say. Well, wait, we, we have one more thing that we did this weekend. Oh, what was that? It was Youth Takeover Sunday on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you ran the thing. And, I mean, the teens, they did a great job. We had communion. Um, which had good. communion. And like almost, well, basically the normal way. Pretty close to what we would normally almost do. Almost back to normal. I mean, we still have the gluten-free, okay. so, you know, <laughs> dual cup. <laughs> Uh, wafer thing whatever those so are like called. the juices in the so those of you that don't know we have the juice in the top part of the cup and you flip the cup over and it's got this little wafer thing in the bottom right i had one of our guys come up to me after service and hand me their their communion cup and i'm like go throw it away why are you giving it to pastor you know and uh he gave it to me he was just laughing and uh the bottom where the wafer was was still sealed but there was no wafer <laughs> It's like, sorry, dude, you only got half a communion. Oops. Anyway, hey, teens did a good job. You did a great job and uh, great message on on uh, where we are as a church and how we can do better and some holes and people need to step up and help. So Yeah, and I appreciated uh, the picture you sent of uh, your son and me. Uh, oh, yeah, his debut leading, on the drums with yeah. his youth pastor. Dude, his cajon playing is top-notch. Well, he, he If you don't know what a cajon is, it's basically a, a rectangular-shaped wood box that you— it has like uh, s- guitar strings on the inside to make it like that snare sound, and you beat on the front of it and makes cool noise. And uh, his youngest son uh, played that on Sunday for the first time in front of the big crowd. His debut, and uh, did a great job. Thanks. Even though he was self-deprecating after service, <laughs> he was big time. <laughs> I didn't do very good. I didn't dri- do. And it dripped all the way home all afternoon. So <laughs> <laughs> he did a great. So uh, all right. no, so we've you know we've been. We've gone all kinds of different directions on this this podcast. In 28 weeks, we have done everything from aliens to ghosts to fear to what's what is a pastor like? What what does a pastor actually do? Um, today, we're going to take a different route. Um, we've talked tangents tangentially. That's a big word. Tangentially about sin uh, for, in different podcasts for different reasons. Um, but uh, today we're going to talk about rebellion. And were you a rebel? I I was like the. Flower. I mean, I know you were an only child, so I, I was. Uh, yeah, I was like everything in one. That's that's rough. I know it, it was. I I was a good child, and I was the rebel child. Um, yeah, I had a little bit of me. So I was the middle child. So everybody knows instinctively when you say you're the middle child what that means. Uh, my parents probably, uh, if they look back on my <laughs> child and teenage years, they, they wish a lot of it that time probably disappeared and didn't exist. Mm. Um, my, my brother and sister were the kind that they, if they got in trouble, they'd run upstairs and they'd just slam their door and that would be the end of it. Me? Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's not the end of it. I would, I would fight until I got the right answer. I just never got your the right answer. answer. Yeah, but I never got the yeah. the, the right answer. <laughs> I saw the other end of a belt <laughs> or or a hand smacking me upside the behind. So, or upside the head. But uh yeah, I was definitely what you would call a rebel. I mean, I didn't do some of the things that, you know, some of my peers did for sure, but 
Um, I certainly had no problem disagreeing with my parents very loudly and boisterously. Yeah, and I, I didn't. I wasn't the off the chart rebel kid either. Um, uh, I think probably most of my rebel days were like behind closed doors where mom and dad didn't know about it, um, and and still don't know about a lot of it. Um, and they're not watching the podcast, so I, I'm probably free to talk a little bit. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, rebellion. Um, well, let's let's define rebellion. It's kind of like what we did with uh, yep. modesty last week. So according to Merriam-Webster, uh, and they've been good since 1928 as far as Thank you. so just make sure. Uh, first definition of rebellion, opposition to one in authority or dominance. And uh, number two is an ins- instance of such defiance or resistance. Then they talk about government, which isn't what we're talking right. about today. So. So really, opposition to one in authority or dominance. So, did you ever rebel against your teachers? Um, probably because everybody else was doing it. Um, I think I was more of a more of a rule follower. Um, I wanted to please. I'm not a golden retriever, but I did want to please, right? Um, but at the same time, I don't want to be an outcast, so I would rebel situationally. A little bit, just a bit. Okay, so here's a real important question. Then, mm-hmm. did you sit in the front of the classroom, <laughs> back row, in the middle? Oh, see, that's that's how you know you, you're soft selling it. You were a troublemaker. <laughs> Troublemakers sit in the back. See, I was one of the kids that sat in the middle, in the front, every yeah. class. No, I couldn't do that because I always get the flick behind the ear from my dad during church, and then during school. Yeah, no way. The cool kids did not sit up front. So. so I guess I wasn't one of the cool kids. Uh, I don't know if you were cool or not, but I was in the back with the cool kids. So so when we talk about rebellion, where do you want to go this morning? What are we what are where are we headed with this? Well, discussion? I think that last definition you put was resistance. Um I think when I look at the church and I look at people, um, it's not viewed anymore as just outright rebellion and going against the flow and throwing things in people's face and just the whole anti-rule thing. I think it's just, it's resistance. We want, we want to resist and be our own person. And we don't see anything wrong with resisting because, well, we do what we want to do. Uh, it's us. Um, so I'd like us to hone it down a little bit to the sin of resistance because um, resistance is kind of a, oh, I don't know, it's kind of a nice word. Um, it's not a harsh word. You know, resistance. Well, I can resist a little bit. It's like fishing. You get a little resistance on your line with some fish, you just let it go. Well, and it's now a catch word, right? Right. It is a catch word. Especially during the last presidency. It was right. a catch word. Yep. But in, in, in the fishing analogy, sometimes when the line goes, boom. I mean, there's no more resistance. And then, you know, the fight is on. Well. Yeah. Or you just lose the hook yeah, altogether. Yeah, I don't want to go there. Which happens too often. Went fishing the other day and I had it. It was good. But the whole fish jumped out of the water, shook his head, and, well, I had slack. <laughs> I didn't have any more anything. So You didn't set the hook correctly. Uh, no, he just shook it out. It was set. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on to the story. <laughs> so, I don't know. So, I don't know. Maybe if you're watching today, um, just think simplicity today in the whole thing of rebellion. Because uh, rebellion, I think, is just so harsh. Nobody wants to be labeled, I'm a rebel. Well, well, maybe you do. I don't know. Um, there was a day where I think I want to be labeled as a rebel. Um, but just resistance. I don't, uh, I don't want to resist that. So what do we do? We ignore it. 
Well, and when we look in when we look in uh, culture, rebellion is considered uh, fashionable, right? It's considered to be a uh, a positive thing mm-hmm. when you are in rebellion. Um, I know with student ministry, and I, I would imagine it was the same for you. Um, oftentimes, you'll hear things like, "Well, I don't want to believe that because my parents believe that," mm-hmm. or "I'm not going to believe that because my grandparents believe that." Um, and it really has nothing to do with whether they think the thing is actually something worth believing in. It's because they want to rebel. They are not wanting to stay with the status quo. They don't want to uh, follow the authority figure in their life. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's like with a kid. Right. You're little you're when you had little kids. I have two little ones now. You tell them not to do something. What do they do? <laughs> oftentimes they, they will make a way to do it i mean if we go back for those of you who believe in the idea of creation i suppose um, that's got to be a topic we got to get to at some point is creation versus Deep. evolution um, but we believe in creation so go back to the beginning god creates man uh before woman and when he creates adam he gives adam literally one thing not to do just one one thing, thing. he has as I always like to say, he has a sea of yeses and one no. Yep. And what does he choose? He and Eve choose to do the one thing that God told them not to do, which is amazing to me because you think, man, that's a stupid decision. But the truth is we have the exact same choice today and we rebel. So what comes first, resistance or rebellion? When you look at the evolution of rebellion, what, what, what comes first? This is like the chicken or the egg argument. Yeah, pretty much. I would say resistance comes first. You mm-hmm. you resist. So, like, let's go back to Adam and Eve. They're, Eve is talking to the serpent, right? And the serpent is telling Eve, hey, uh, you're, you're being lied to, essentially. If you eat from this fruit, you're going to know things that you don't know now. And so... Uh, you need to disobey God and do do this, eat the eat the fruit. So in Eve's heart, I think you have a resistance to the ordinance of God, the the rule that God gave her, uh, her and Adam. Uh, but the rebellion came in the actual act of rebellion, mm-hmm. of actually doing something against God. Mm-hmm. Um, resistance isn't necessarily always a bad thing. We should resist certain things. I mean, it says over and over in the scripture to resist the evil to resist temptation, you know, those sorts of things. So resistance is not a bad thing. It turns into a rebellion when we act against God. Mm-hmm. So for today's topic, though, we're talking resistance on the on the sin side. Um, you know, we, we haven't resisted enough. Sure. Right? Um, which, does Clearly. Lead, which does lead to the rebellion. Um, and we don't want to call it rebellion, so we're just happy with resistance. And I'd be interested to see if Adam and Eve, if we had the conversation with them, and ask the question, so was it resistance or was it rebellion? I wonder what they would say. Yeah, and if you have, by the way, if you have comments, um, we're, because oh, we're, we're live, live today, it, uh, I saw that uh, Mary Ann, you, you sent us a message. Good morning. Thank you. Um, but if you have any comments or questions as we're going through this, go ahead and throw them into the chat. That's one of the yeah. beauties of being live. We will yeah. try and respond to them as you, as you have them. But, cool. Um, but yeah, say that one more time. So, so Adam and Eve, if we were to ask them the question, was it rebellion or resistance? I wonder what they would say. Might be hard for them to describe because they were the first sinners. You know, yeah, maybe so. 
and and we don't know that Adam and Eve made any poor choices after that. Oh, that's a deep thought. We don't we don't know what they did after. I guess I always assume they did because now sins entered the world and yeah. I mean I, I mean it's probably a, a accurate. Yeah, but the Bible I mean, doesn't say. I mean, obviously they didn't raise their voice very well. <laughs> Parenting skills. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Parenting skills were not necessarily their uh, their forte, considering one of their kids killed the other one. So, um, so, so I guess today I, I, I'd like us just to wrestle with the idea of how watered down is our rebellion, because we have watered down scripture, we have watered down churches, we have watered down pastors and theology, uh, educational institutions, you know, in the religious um, sector. Um, this the the old the old um, adage of hey you know be just being watered down uh we have that when it comes to rebellion so i want people today i want you that are watching and even us as pastors to to really go and say am i am i in an all-out rebellion if so let's just be honest about that or am i really in an area of resistance to where man i'm really struggling with the temptation like the serpent with Adam and eve and and man uh i'm resisting or are you on the side of resistance to where you are in flat-out rebellion and you just think, uh, it's just resistance, I just will resist that and move on? Uh, I think there's a big difference there. Um, yeah, and especially if you misidentify what is resistance versus rebellion, um, you could be living in serious sin and not even know it. Exactly. And one of the things that is different about today, as opposed to really any other time in human history, at least that we're aware of, um, we identify ourselves by our sin. Yeah, or somebody else's sin. It's it's a very odd time that we live in in that regard. I mean, to to call yourself a sex addict Christian, like that's kind of silly, right? Like you, you don't define yourself by a negative. You define yourself by right. a positive. Right. As a Christian, we're defined by our faith and allegiance to God. Um, our belonging as an heir to his throne. Our, we, that's that's what the Bible says. We are a part of his family. And, uh, you know, Jesus even uses the imagery of being born again into God's family. Right. So right. we're adopted is one of the terms that we in pastoral and theological circles use. Um, yeah. We don't describe ourselves as the alcoholic Christian or the pornographic addicted Christian. I mean, you right? may be those things. I mean, that may be part of what you struggle with. And that's very true yeah. and very fine to even say. But. Um, that's not who you are. And it's, it, it all goes on, are you acting or not? Are you living in that, or are you resisting it? Now, now we're going to be pot potentially accused of being fuddy-duddies. Uh, good morning, Rayanne. You'll be fuddy-duddy. <laughs> I'm not old. I'm not a fuddy-duddy. But you are old. I don't know, I'm just older than you. <laughs> uh, no, so, it, based on the things we've said in the last few minutes, some people may immediately accuse us of being fundamentalist and right. you know uh, not forward thinking and those sorts of things perfect i mean we're okay with that but yep. let's take the the devil's advocate position for a second and discuss why it's wrong uh, because i think it's important to identify that and know know the argument against you as well as you know your own it may be even better than you know your own so if you're sitting there today and you're saying, you know, this is this is stupid, you 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 should identify yourself by the things that you struggle with, because then you have a community around you to identify with you. How would you respond to that? Notion? Totally backwards thinking. Why? Because I have to identify myself as a 
free person in Christ. And the word says surround yourself with people that are like-minded. And it's not talking about like-minded in your sin. It's talking about like-minded in your freedom in Christ, in your forgiveness, in your post-rebellion. Um, um, so, But our culture says just the opposite. You're right. I mean, hey, you know what? Jump in. Go and do that. Um, live and let live. Be it, who you are. You cannot be freed in Christ and still live like the world. You just can't do that. That is not scriptural. And that's where we're going to be called the old fuddy duddies mm -hmm. because, well, you know, I can be a Christian and still live like whatever. No, you, you can't. You will not find that anywhere in the word. Do you think that affirmation or the, 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 the term affirmation, the, the idea of affirmation has made it easier to be in rebellion? Because a society tells us mm. we are to affirm people's choices, yeah. not to call out their their wrong choices. Yeah, coexist kind of thing, affirm them. Yeah, I mean that's that's in the school districts. That's the the word that's always used. You need to be affirming. I mean, I know I heard recently a pa uh, not pastor a teacher lost their job because they wouldn't affirm a student's gender identity, for instance. Um, they said it's, it goes against my Christian belief system i will not affirm that this student i think it was a male student believing that they were a female student and they lost their job at the school district because of it so again do you think that that idea of affirmation that our society wants to affirm everything that people are living in uh causes rebellion to be much further down the road as far as they see it I'm hesitant to say yes. I mean, I want to say yes to that, but the moment I think I say yes to that, it really shines light on the lack of that uh, in the church. Mm -hmm. um, we haven't probably as a church, not just Herb Naz, but in general, Big C Church, done real well with affirming people in their faith, affirming people in, good job, you turn from your sin affirming people in you good job you've accepted christ as your savior um good job let's disciple you let's go through discipleship class let's go through church membership let's go through what it is to be a true follower of christ and holiness lifestyle so while i want to say yes to your question i think that brings a huge light to has a church even affirm people in their own faith by the way just to stop you for a second your son says hello. Which one? Garrick. Hey, buddy. So he's he's he's. You're watching. watching. So, yeah, I I I see what you're going where you're going with that, and I think that's true. I mean, we we had this discussion a few I don't know days ago or a week ago or whatever it was, but um, the church has has struggled mightily in these conversations over the last fifty to hundred years. Um, there's no doubt about that, and you know if we go even further back, this church had all kinds of issues. So. Um, but truth, this is, this is one thing that could get us in trouble with the, uh, with some people in our culture. Truth does exist. There is a certain thing as absolute, absolute truth, right? Mm -hmm. Um, like for instance, to us, th there is an absolute truth that God exists. There is no doubt of that in my mind or your mind, I hope. Um, otherwise we may have to have another discussion after this. Um, but we also believe there is 
truth when it comes to behavior and how what God expects of us as human beings. Correct. Does God expect us to fall? God expects us to live for him. You want a yes or no to the answer, don't you? Yep. God, God died so that we could be forgiven of our fallen self. Because he knew we were going to fall. There you go. So if God expects us to fall then, and this goes into the, for those of you who know anything, theology, Calvinism versus Arminianism, which we mm-hmm. are an Arminianist church. Let's keep it light, though. Yeah. But the idea being, uh, once you're saved, once you believe in Jesus, everything else takes care of itself. You don't have to worry about going to hell no matter what your behavior is. So what you just said would lead me to believe that, yeah, you could live and let live. I mean, Jesus died for me, so what difference does it make? Mm-hmm. He died for that sin that I'm going to commit. He knows I'm going to fall, so does he care what I do? Right, and that's where I think we get into this resistance and rebellion because he does set out for us very strict. Uh, strict's probably a, well, no, strict is pretty good. Um, there's probably a different word, but right now it's all that's coming because we're live. So um, <laughs> uh, the holiness lifestyle. Um, he says, go and sin no more. Um Pick up your cross and come, you know, go against culture, go against the flow, um, live for me in front of the world. Um, you can't live for him in front of the world if you're living with and for the world. Um, mm. uh, you can live in the world, but that's different than living with the world. I mean, with being in, um, you know, as a part of the world. Um, and that's where I think this area of resistance, when you really stop and think about it, I mean, it could really rock somebody's theological mind and their spiritual heart and go, man, I thought I was doing great with the Lord. But, yeah, maybe I'm really not. I got some rebellion that I haven't really wanted to call rebellion. And I guess that's where I want to go. I want to go call it rebellion, man and woman up to it. So let's let's get down to brass tacks then. Okay. What are some examples of resistance versus rebellion? Resistance versus rebellion. Like, when do you know you've—what are some examples so you know that you've gone from resistance to rebellion? Um, okay, well, let's just talk—you uh, know, I've resisted moving in with my with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, and now I'm—I can't resist any longer. So I move in, and then we're in this mindset of, well, we're going to get married, so why not? Mm-hmm. Um that's that that's a problem in itself scripturally um but the bigger problem is is even after the marriage happens there is still the matter of sin that has not been asked for forgiveness um you chose to willfully live in sin that, that assuming you knew that that was a sin it, okay exactly um, and while well, I was taking it from the approach of a pastor, sure, sure, right? Because sure. I confront people. I just want to make sure that. we're clear. So, like, yeah, we don't, we don't. That <laughs> expectation is not held of somebody who doesn't Correct. believe in Jesus, who doesn't Correct. know Jesus. So, so that that'd be one. You've resisted, resisted, and now boom, you're in all-out rebellion. But you, you don't want to admit that it's rebellion. We're gonna get married and have life everlasting and have you know whatever. So, well, and I think this is a a clear demarcation where the church has kind of struggled to demarcate. Um, you know, when we talk, you bring up that example of living with somebody before you marry them, or if you, you know, there's a lot of people that live together that never get married. But be that as it may, that standard 
the Bible sets for us in, in conduct or behavior, whatever word you want to use, that doesn't apply to the non-believer. In fact, the Bible says that standard right. doesn't apply to the non-believer um, because the standard when you don't believe in Jesus is the fact that you don't believe in Jesus. Everything else is moot. Um, you need to believe in Jesus before any of that stuff comes into play. So you could be, for instance, homosexual and not believe in Jesus. That's not the standard that God is holding you to. The standard God's holding you to is that you don't believe in Jesus. You're not following Jesus. Correct. Now, once you become a Christian, everything changes because now God's not judging you on whether you believe in Jesus or not. If you believe in Jesus, that's already taken care of. Now, holiness becomes the standard. God wants us to be holy. God wants us to move in a direction of living a righteous life. Well, in order to do that, that means there has to be life change, right? There has right. to be transformation, and that rebellion has to come to an end. Right. So resistance, and another thing would be your finances. I resist serving God in my finances. Well, rebellion. I, 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 I don't want to... I don't want to jump in and serve in a ministry. I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to be a helper. I don't want to give the church any of my time. I resist, 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 when really it's called rebellion. Um, um, so I'm, we're just throwing it out there. I mean, ask yourself, what are you resisting? Because what you're resisting is rebellion. Um, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, this is Jesus talking, if you love me, uh, you will keep my commands. Mm. You can't. He doesn't say, well, pick apart the ones you like. Uh, so our resistance is, yeah, I don't want to do all the commands, but I do love Jesus, though. Well, and here's here's where like our denomination, our church specifically, can be markedly different than other churches because there are churches that don't take that scripture seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, there are churches that say, "Well, the Bible says that," but, but. there's always the but, right? And and when you, when you use that conjunction, the but, you're saying that the first part doesn't really matter. Right. And that's Jesus speaking. And so therefore that matters. <laughs> and we're just crazy enough at Hermnast to believe that every word of the Bible happens to be important. Yep. I mean, there's meaning in there. So Correct. Um, another verse, Acts 5, uh, 29, says we must obey God rather than man. Um, that is not a political verse. That verse has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with state of the church. Mm-hmm. At that time, yep. when 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 Paul's saying, "Listen, you're looking at man and what man wants you to believe," and and I'm telling you, as a Genesis Paul, I'm telling you, God's saying, "Resist that, or you're going to fall into all-out war and rebellion." And uh, um, and that takes us back to Jeremiah, um, <laughs> Jeremiah 28, where you know he he goes on, he says, "Listen, this is what the Lord says. The Lord says, "Hey, listen, I'm going to remove you from the face of the earth." Because of your rebellion toward the Lord, hmm. I mean, that's harsh. That does it get any harsher? I'm going to just, and you wonder why gone. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. Why? No one wanted to follow somebody <laughs> who was that harsh with him. You know, uh, he was. Just, he laid it yeah, out. He there. laid it out there. I mean, so, the God gave him those words, and and then you know, you go back to Jesus's words in Luke, in Luke chapter 15, he tells three stories, right? Three yep. stories in in succession. Um, this is the passage or section of scripture that our student ministry uses as our our student ministries ver, uh, section right this is this is what propels us forward um the lost uh the lost sheep the lost coin 
And then it goes to the lost son, the prodigal son, which is much longer than the first two parts of the story. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. very long, uh, eleven through verses eleven through thirty-two in Luke fifteen. And the the thrust of the story is you have this son, or you have two sons. The first son uh, does everything his dad asks. He works hard with his dad side by side, working in the fields, whatever. And then you have the other son who's kind of a nincompoop and thinks he's... He got a stimulus check. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wanted his dad to give him a stimulus, right? And right. Uh, he he wanted his inheritance early. He takes off, uh, takes his money. Dad gives it to him, which I find kind of funny because if I asked my dad for my inheritance, my dad would be like, there's Ooh. nothing there. So you ain't getting nothing. There might be a fishing pole later, which I guess is good. But uh, no, he takes his inheritance. He runs to what would be like modern day Vegas and just blows the money partying and gambling and whatever and then he realizes when he's in the the gutter and can't afford to even eat he's looking at animals eating better than he does pigs and he says well you know maybe i'll just go home and serve my dad he lives in this rebellion until he can't live in rebellion any longer and he runs home and there's his dad running to meet him right and to embrace him but the thing that we don't talk about in rebellion, I mean, that's obvious rebellion, right? He ran away, did, but the other son is also in rebellion, mm-hmm. a different kind of rebellion, but he's also in rebellion. And that's where the story turns. And we tend to end the story when the father and the younger son meet and everything. But we forget that the older son was also in, in a deep sense of rebellion. Explain that for us. So, you know, the, the other son, can you imagine what it'd be like to do all the work and then dad turn to you and, and, and not even say, hey, you know what? I'm honoring you and thank you. And man, I love you. You've stuck through it. He just turns to his son and goes, uh, okay, listen, I know, I know you've been through a lot and all of that, but you know what? Your brother is home. Go kill the fatted calf, pick the best one, the biggest heifer, bring him in, dice it up, put it on the Barbie. Let's eat. Um, we're going to have a party. For we're going to have a party kid, for, for him and you're going to serve him. Um, that would just be a natural area of, of resistance, right? Um, and rebellion in your spirit. And unless he was to deal with that, Lord said, I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth. Well, in, in Luke 15, verse 28, after the dad has told the older son to go kill the fattened calf and everything, this is, this is what it says. This, again, this is Jesus talking. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. Yep. He's like, I'm not coming to this party. Are you kidding me? Well, he's done the butchering. The, I mean, which is a, if you ever if you ever butchered any kind of animal, if you're a hunter, I mean, if you're not a hunter, it, it's not pretty. It's it's a lot of work. A lot too. of work. I mean, it's a lot of work. Um, his father came out and he begged him again. This is the older son, but he replied, "All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to to do." And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. This is a sentiment that is shared by many in the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, This is where we talk about rebellion. You may not know you're in rebellion. If you've ever thought or had the mindset of, well, they don't belong, those people don't belong in our church, you're the older brother. Mm. Hey, let's just make it real. Uh, hey, those people that haven't been vaccinated, mm, they don't believe belong in church. Those homosexuals, those transgenders. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? Pick a pick a hot button, right? That's 
that's not that's the attitude God calls us to have. That I mean, that's what Jesus is saying right here. He's like, I don't care that my brother came home. What I care is what he did. Mm-hmm. He didn't do the right things. Therefore, he has no place back in the family. Or just take it to even your local employer. I mean, you work, you work, you work, you work, and then boom, you're the one that gets laid off. Yeah, um, which happens. Wait a minute. What do you mean? I have given you, I have sacrificed, I came in with my broken back, neck, arm, leg, um, boils underneath my armpits. I get, I worked. Yeah, now, I mean, we've had you're laying me off. We've had people in our own church here at Hermnaz who, you know, they they basically get told, "You're either going to work these hours as the person who's been there for decades, or you're not going to have a job." Why the so you newbie comes in and gets the the, the cush hours, right? Yeah, um, which doesn't seem fair. But this is not about fairness, right? At least not human fairness. This is about again rebellion. Now, this is what his father said to him, and this is where I think it's important. This is Jesus. This is what God is saying to us. To to the to you who's a Christian who has a hard time when you look at other people who you think, man, they're in rebellion. They don't deserve anything. I deserve everything. This is what Jesus says. Look, dear son or daughter, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And in the previous two stories, the coin and the sheep, it says over and over again, there's a big party when one person comes to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. When we see baptisms, when we see uh, someone go down to the altar and give their life to Christ or raise their hand and give their life to Christ, everybody that's a believer should be excited. We should be ecstatic. We should be jumping for joy and mm-hmm. having a party because that person came to know Jesus. The kingdom of God has just grown another person. That's huge. But again, our rebellion, our resistance, and then the rebellion leads us to worry more about ourselves and what we're not getting or what we're mm-hmm. not, what's not being provided to us. Which leads me where I want to probably end us up here today is there's more people in this, in this story um, than what's mentioned. Um, sure. You've got the servants. I mean, his dad was a rich was a rich man. Um, he had land. He had cattle. Um, if I were a rich, if man. I were, um, you know, so he had servants who watched who watched the spiritual leadership of this dad, and now, I mean, they've watched this whole scenario, um, and they as well haven't been thanked. They've been overworked. Yep. They didn't get anything out of it. They don't even get a place at the table. They get maybe the scraps but probably not even um what about um you know the the neighbors Mm -hmm. um but really what about the dad um you look at the dad the dad did he have an area of of resistance uh in his heart um an area of rebellion do you think dad went through the struggle of (laughs) conversation lord seriously my son um how and it just walked down that you know when 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 papa is having his little you know, cub taken away. I mean, dads react like mama bears do. Um, I mean, so if I really want to pick apart the story, add everybody that's part of the story. Um, add the gatekeeper uh, that's part of the story. You know, any anyone in this era that had land, they had gatekeepers. Uh, they had they had the shepherds. Um, they had the uh, the corral care uh, people. Um, Maid servants. Uh, I mean, they they have these people. Um, what about people in their um, their affluent relationships? You know, as rich people, um, 
you know, they had they had a different sector of people maybe they'd hang around with. Um, they had a different respect in the in the public eye. You know, they go to market. Uh, people would step out of the way for them. Um, okay, well, they all know the story. So resistance, um, rebellion. Um, I think everybody in the story had had to deal with a resistance and a rebellion to what the dad was doing. And, um, and I think that's true for us as, as Christians. I think we look at God and go, you know what? It sounds good. I love you. I want to serve you, but I'm kind of struggling over. You said, don't eat of that. I'm trying to resist not eating that, but the Bible says you play too long. You're going to get burned. So, yeah. And you know, uh, to, to finish this out, there's a great story that Jesus tells a few chapters after that Luke 15 passage in it. It's about the, uh, it's a parable story mm-hmm. that Jesus tells about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now, Pharisee, real quick, religious leader, pastor, essentially, mm-hmm. teacher, right? Um, and then the tax collector is the, the those people. I mean, they're the people that you would not want to associate with as a the dark Jew side. at that time. Yeah, I mean, they were Jews who took from other Jews, basically stole money away from mm-hmm. other Jews. Um, they were hated, absolutely hated, despised. And Jesus uses the Pharisee, who's supposed to be the religious rock, right? And the person who's hated the most in this story. And this is what he says, starting verse 10 of chapter 18. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even to lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, this sinner, not the Pharisee, were turned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Mm. If you find find yourself in rebellion today, be like the tax collector. Beat your chest. Get down before God. Get on your knees and ask God for forgiveness. And I promise you, he will forgive you. He pro- He promises he will forgive you. You will be justified before God if you do that. But if you're if you identify yourself with one of those Pharisees, you need to do the exact same thing. Well, and I think maybe we have to just stop and even ask the question, do I need to identify myself as one of those Pharisees? I mean, that's how we started the thing of, do I have rebellion? Is resistance really a stumbling block in my journey? Ask yourself, do I have to relate like them? That's a hard, that's a hard answer sometimes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's today live, and it's been 42 minutes. It's been a good, good show. One take. Yeah. Well, I guess it would have to be, wouldn't it? Anybody talking to us? Yeah, so uh, we actually had uh, Jason and Valerie, um, who I guess it would be Valerie because there's a V at the end, so <laughs> signature. So, uh, Valerie, thanks for uh, listening, and she said, bravo, this was a refreshing. Oh, Arizona cha- people. Hey, oh, I, 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 I just clicking. This was a refreshing, challenging, encouraging way to start the week. You can bet I'll be tuning in again. Perfect. And to Val, you can tell your hubby, he come fishing anytime. Yeah. So thank you guys for joining us this morning. And uh, like I said, we're going to have to get into that conversation about uh, about evolution versus uh, creationism, because I think that would be a, a fun topic to uh, to dive into a little bit. We're going to flip to who does who does the uh, devil's advocate side on that one.
Which side do you think I would be on? Guess you have to tune in to figure that one out. Yeah, the, we could actually add the flood. You know, whether the flood happened, whether it's science science says flood the flood happened. There's lots of angles we could take when we talk about science and. Maybe and we should bring on a special guest. That would be cool. That would be we good. still do have that uh, second Sabbath conversation yep, that we're we going to get to here soon. So um, that will be coming if you remember that conversation. We do and follow up to we're going to do another live show, uh, but it'll be on location next time because this, I think, worked out pretty good. You're watching. You're tuning in. And, and uh, we didn't have burritos again. I know, but I did have a coffee. So that didn't help me. No. I had a meeting before this. I had my I had my food then. So this was <laughs> this was like, yeah, breakfast, too. I couldn't handle that today. All right, y'all. Right. Well, thank you for joining us. We will see you next week at 10 a.m. on the Morning Burrito Podcast. Mm-hmm.